0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network it's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast or your favorite binge-worthy show but what about your own story that's the most important story of all and therapy helps you write it BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at betterhelp.com pause for 10% off your first month.
1: Jonathan
2: Pierce. Eric Kendler has jumped in and scissor kung fu kick a man. Terry Alderton. Do you like shoes, madam? And friends, <laughs> JP, the to and T, the football friendly.
3: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Thanks for joining us on JP and T, the football friendly. I nearly missed my cue there, Mr. Terry Alderton, because to be honest, I don't know when I'm allowed to talk and when I'm not allowed to talk and what I'm allowed to say or who I'm allowed to say it to or whether I've got freedom of speech or whether
2: I don't have freedom of speech. I don't know. I, 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 well, I, I'm going to say those words. I'm going to say that well, I've worked for the BBC as well. And it's, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. And before we go any further, this podcast is an independent production and has nothing to do with anybody, let alone the BBC, just us lunatics. Uh, so, yes, Jonathan, what... I, This week is my friend, which is nice. Uh, someone I haven't seen for a very long time. He's a he's a fantastic comedian. Um, he's a broadcaster himself. A very very young man. He was on Top Sport for, for many years. Uh, he's, a, he's, he's an impressionist, but uh, I didn't know he was. But it turns out he was because he <laughs> ended up on Speed Image. I mean, this is this is the royalty we have here of comedy. Uh, he's a nice man to boot as well. We got the lovely Matt Ford joins us. The uh, the, the political minded brilliant genius that is Matt Ford. There we are. Oh, there hello, there. fellas.
1: Hello, Fordy. How are you, love? Are you right I, It's lovely to see you both again. Um, oh. Obviously, Terry and I go back a way back. Jonathan and I have met a couple of times at Lily Foundation events at the Comedy yeah. Store. And um, obviously, you're both just immensely talented men. So, Oh,
2: really well, strange... look at us all shaking each other's willies. <laughs> that's, that's, the sec- that, that's the second
3: fib on the podcast. When the first one was when, was when Terry Alderson said we had friends. We don't. It's just him and I.
2: <laughs> well, you might, you might not even exist. You might just be a figment of our imagination. <laughs> uh, and of course, Paul Daniels, our producer, who's now just disappeared off the screen, but you can't see him anyway. So, um, right, let's kick on. Let's get straight on. Gary Lineker, BBC, um, match of the day, uh, the Prime Minister getting involved. Where Where do we start? I mean...
3: Oh, well, it, it, look, it looks as if it's been resolved I um, the end of the show then <laughs> Tim, Tim, Tim Davey Tim Davey the Director General is, has made a statement this morning uh, and Gary has tweeted out that he's delighted that he's um, he's going to be returning next weekend for the FA Cup quarterfinals um, I'm delighted that we'll continue to fight the good fight together he said in one tweet this morning he, he, he has um, added one little political tweet which I'll come to in a little while Um I feel immensely proud of everyone on the sports team who stuck together. Solidarity with Gary. Um, We made the decision on Friday night, I think it was. We had a a group chat, all the commentators for about four hours where we decided what we were going to do. And it was unanimous that we weren't going to work. We felt very uncomfortable in the situation. So did all the presenters. So did all the pundits. And, And it went on for a couple of a couple of days and uh, football as a team game, said Gary this morning. The backing was overwhelming um, and, you know, I hope it's over. What we needed to do as a group of commentators, I can't speak for the other people, so I'm just speaking no, for us.
2: No, yeah.
3: What I think we did as a group of individuals was good, was right and was very, very important. People need to be able to express their opinion. And that one final thought from Gary this morning on Twitter, this isn't me saying this, this is Gary. However difficult the last few days have been, it simply doesn't compare to having to flee your home from persecution or war to seek refuge in a land far away. It's heartwarming to see the empathy towards their plight from so many of you. The support for Gary Lineker, the support for freedom of speech, has been immense, crucial.
2: Can I just say very quickly, I want to just throw something in here. Um... Is, is this been a fight for uh, for his tweet as in politically fighting for refugees? Brilliant. Love that. Or has it been a case of uh, you should be allowed to say what you want to say and freedom of speech? What has the war been about really here?
3: Well, well, what, what do you think, Matt? Well, I just think... That you...
2: <laughs> oh, poor old Matt. Look at him. He only wants to come and talk about the forest.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I think they got themselves into a right old mess and didn't, uh, didn't bargain at all for the strength of collective feeling around Gary Lineker as a person and around the issue. And, and what's at the heart of this really is the government has closed the safe routes for people to get into this country legally, which is forcing people into these dangerous channel crossings, mm. and they're trying to weaponise that as a political issue. And you cannot blame people for saying this is appalling. And a lot of Tories are appalled by it. It's a really horrible policy mm. created by their own incompetence. And you should be in a democracy. You should be allowed to call that out. And I think Gary Lineker's tweets really are, are overwhelmingly tactful about it. They're humanitarian. He's not some sort of swivel-eyed loon in, in Hyde Park ranting about Marxism. You no, know, he's a, he's a he strikes me as a sort of centre-ground kind of guy. He's a moderate, sensible bloke who's used his platform. And also put his money where his mouth. He's housed refugees. He has personal experience of... Helping people flee persecution, that is a valuable voice in this debate, and he's used it in his, in his own very talented and, and tactful way. I just think it, the whole thing's been mad. Of all the fights to pick...
2: It's it's a crazy thing. I, <clears throat> excuse me. I was doing a when this all happened with the Ukrainians, and that's a whole nother can of worms. But when that was happening, and everyone was, you know, I, I was doing material, but I'm not going to do the whole routine. But basically, I was saying that, you know, that people were going, I would let a Ukrainian in my house. Of course, I wouldn't. My whole thing was, what about the brown people coming on on boats that are, are sinking in the sea? Would you have one of those in your house as well? Should we talk about homeless people? You know what I mean? It goes on and on and on. And I think I think the fact that you know Gary has stood up as someone and fought for that cause, and you're right as well. He has first-hand experience of that. is, is a brilliant thing. Uh, I will tell you what's what is
3: a little bit sinister in all this. So Terry and Matt is the way the press jumped on board and misreported what Gary had said. Because Gary Gary said that the rhetoric of the government is similar to the rhetoric of the in Germany in the 1930s. Oh, he's talked about the Nazi. War. Oh, he's talked about the Holocaust. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't he, say. He, he didn't say. In the, he didn't. He, say, he, t- he talked about the language. If you look at history, if you go back to the video. If you go back to the Pathé news of, the, of Germany in the 1930s, right right from the, the, the early 30s, this is similar language. And and that's the point he was raising. And, you know, and the the fact that it all went, oh, my God. I mean, my phone has not stopped ringing. I, I, Lily and I, Matt, co-hosted the... Uh, Lily and I. Terry, Lily. well he goes by Lily on a, on Sundays, but <laughs> don't anyway. Tell them about, but, uh, don't but anyway, tell
2: him about my alter ego. <laughs>
3: that's right. Anyway, Lily Alderton and me were at Lily. the Lily Foundation <laughs> pool, co-hosting on Saturday night. Terry will tell you, I sat I sat at our table, my phone's ringing all yeah, he the time. Yeah, just sat
2: on the phone. He just sat on the phone. What, you
3: know, what's your comment on this? And I, you know, the press were at me all the time and you, you, you know, you... You can't, and, and, you know, what are you going to do about tomorrow's game? What are you going to be, you know, impacted to my game yesterday that I that I was doing? And um, it, it, it was mad. It's, it, it was utterly mad. And, gosh, I'm glad that it's coming to well, an I end, w- to be honest. Well, I
2: watched the match of the day just to <laughs> see. It was like a ghost town. Did you watch it, Matt? Weird. Yeah, Premier League <laughs> highlights. Wow. And I just thought, well, the, the, you know what? The BBC would have to get this into play because that that, that just looked like, to me, just sort of like, oh, and here's some football highlights so as a brand for the premier league mm -mm. do
1: you know what as well it really highlighted the 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 importance of commentators didn't it didn't it just more than anything the commentators were the most missed thing because you're like actually a lot of the time i don't know who some of the players are the 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 game's moving fast the camera's moving fast you need people to like explain it to you when you're only seeing that part of the pitch commentary is just vital in enjoying football Mm. on television without it it's just surreal and I tell you the other thing as well with modern day phones and whatever, it's great
2: when a commentator says something and you go, "Oh, on a second, pick the phone up and quickly." Yes, yeah, s- yeah, yeah, yeah. S- oh, I didn't know that, and it is—it is very informative. You're absolutely right, and, uh, and and it's and it's a it's a, it's a funny thing as well. I, I, I don't know if I'm right on this, but the ladies' footballs uh, still had commentary, didn't it, on Sunday?
3: Well, th- yeah. The situation with that is that. Um, it wasn't the BBC commentator. Um, the BBC commentator uh, uh, pulled out um, in, in keeping solidarity with the rest right. of us. Now the world, the World Feed commentator, a man called Nigel Adley, did it. That was the game I was due to do on the oh, women's. Right. Okay. Uh, and then the, the company that organises the World Feed. Um, Gravity Media uh, very sympathetically pulled me off that game because they knew that I would be exposed, and I I wouldn't have done it anyway.
2: Is this the reason because it, then it would have been played out on the BBC? On the that BBC, is, so right, they right.
3: they could they had their rights to use the commentary on the world feed for that. They right. don't have the rights to use the world feed commentary on match of the day. That's why there was no commentary on match of the day on Saturday night. And the, and well, you know our our position was once a, once a. Uh, Premier League Productions, I think, said you're not going to get our interviews. Once the PFA have said we're, we're going to support our players not doing interviews and in the management, then then we were we were placed in a in a very sort of untenable position, very difficult position. But we were very solid with what we wanted to do anyway. And and it was a different situation with the WSL. You know, it'd been interesting what would have happened had the week gone on. Um, you know, coming up to live FA Cup quarterfinal day. But I, I know I know really why Matt was secretly. Delighted that the highlights were very short. <laughs>
0: Here we go on oh. Saturday because we're getting uh, into the football now, we, aren't we? <laughs> well, no, 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 so,
3: no, 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 no. I mean, I think he would have been delighted with the eighty-first minute highlight and the Warril goal, but the rest of the game, I don't think he would have been that. Oh, no.
2: Right, just no. to explain, everyone, we, Matt, as you know, has come on all our fans and football fans generally, and we, I should have put it in the, in the opening that he's a big Nottingham Forest fan. That I didn't mention that. I have That's mentioned okay. that he's the Forest, and if anyone thought, "Why is he on about match?" Forests, I'm not, I'm talking about the football team, so should we, should we cut on to football now, should we talk about yeah, what we use to do, and light you know, it up, so now we've cleared the air, and, and just all, let every, me, everybody's just, friends, yeah,
3: and the last 15 minutes of this, I've had no connection with the BBC whatsoever, this is an independent podcast, yeah, all right, this is not me talking as a BBC man, this is me yeah, talking let me, let as me a friend up, of,
2: I'll uh, underline it, hold on, listen. Oh, yeah, under
3: uh, And uh, it's just me talking as a friend of Lily Alderton.
2: <laughs> Hi girls. Oh, we're gonna open up a whole other can of worms now, so we're probably best uh, keep out of that. Right, let's talk about Forrest Fawdy. How's it going? You must be excited to have come up, and now you're in the in the form of Premier League status. How oh, are you man. feeling, love?
1: How are you feeling? Just we waited so long for it. And it so it, it's I'm still buzzing from it. I, it as long as I, I obviously really want us to stay up, but fourth from bottom will be fine. And We're newly promoted. Obviously, we we had a lot of new players to um, figure out. So it's always going to be difficult. I I think the season has basically gone how we all thought it would go. It's a little bit difficult. Some good results here or there. A good draw against Man City the other week. We beat Liverpool, but everyone has. And um, (laughs) I think we'll stay up. I do. I I just think Steve Cooper's a very good manager. And um, I I think we've got a couple of really excellent players. And on the whole, I, I, I think... Obviously, what's happened is Everton are starting to sort themselves out. Southampton, oddly, look like they've like, discovered something. Bournemouth do, so then you're just panicking a little wow. bit, but I still think, I still don't think we're in the third, I don't think we're among the three worst teams in the league. What
2: about what about the Hammers, though? I mean, they've been teetering there, and they look like they're getting back out of it, but pff, they're being dragged back down again, aren't they?
1: I went there yesterday. I went to watch um, West Ham against Villa. A mate of mine, he's like the stadium host, you know, like they do the stuff at half-time, guy called Chris yeah. Skull. Yeah. yeah and... Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lovely fella, and he was just, he'd always said, oh, you know, you should come to a game. And I've not been to the London Stadium for the Olympics or anything, I've just never been. So he got us in yesterday, and it is, it's just sort of mad, stuff. Uh, there's something quite nice about it, but atmosphere-wise, it's just, there's it's just a- too much empty space, there's just yeah. like huge flat I'll tell you what I found about London. it, when, I, when I've gone there, right, and,
2: uh, I, you know, I'm a man in his middle ages who's quite fit, but so, my friends who took me up there, they live quite, they live... They live in a little house up there. Just under one of the seats. Yeah. They, uh, they, their seating is quite high up, and uh, th- that's no mean feat. Strolling up that 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 yeah. terrace, I tell you. That's. I mean, you don't want to be you don't want to be pushing JP's age and trying. To <laughs> <up there. laughs> Look at his face. Look at his face. You know, you know
3: the little house under the seat. Yeah. Did Did you actually live? part of your time that day in that little house in your mind
2: (laughs) i wish i had were you talking
3: were you talking to the 562 (laughs) people that are in your head (laughs) let's
2: not not expose that here come on that's again another podcast um but it is it is is, and it's uh it is like you say matt it's it is a quite an incredible stadium i think they've rectified a lot of that i think if you've gone in the early days when they hadn't brought the seating quite as close to the pitch it was really Mm. cavernous
3: well, you know, I, I'm lucky enough. I've, I've sort of been lucky to, uh, and I'm not. This isn't a sort of pithy comment. I, I am genuinely lucky to have been able to commentate all over the world, and I. And I'm sorry, West Ham. fans. Hold on a second. you're
2: Jonathan Pearce, right? We know I, that. I
3: know. I'm sorry, West Ham fans. <laughs> we know because that. I, I, you know, I've worked with a uh, big connection with West Ham. People I've worked with over the years: Billy Bonds and, and Tony Gale and, and and Bobby Moore, who I, I name drop a fair amount of times. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so. West Ham United's current ground is the worst commentary position I've ever commentated from. Oh really? You're miles, you're miles away from it. Someone takes a corner on the far side, you have to go to the monitor in front of you because it's very difficult to see, especially night games. Sometimes what's happening, and um, that's not that's not ideal. No, you know it was it was I think it was you know it was obviously designed as an athletic stadium,
2: and that's what it is. Are you commentating from the same position that they would have been commentating from for the Olympics? Is um, it the same country? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I
3: wouldn't know that. But um, it's a long, long way away. And uh, there is a disconnect. Oh, when we look down from the commentary position, instead of seeing banks and banks of seats all the way out to the uh, to the near touchline, it's like a gap. It's almost like... The, well, it is. I think the front rows of the seats have sort of been bolted on, haven't they? And... Um, it, there's there's disconnects all round.
2: It's weird. It's where, Weird. Where is the worst ground you've commentated? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you very much, Matt. That Board. is. Where is? Oh, that is. Yeah. I thought you were going to say South End because South Roots End or- isn't. An- well, he we got a story about that. I won't bore you with it because we've st- told it so many times. But that's how we met. Basically, he, he, yeah, he was commentating me. on a game. I saw him through the glass window, and I started smashing on it because we scored. <laughs> and he's commentating away, looking at me, going, "What are you doing, you idiot?" And I went, no, oh, yeah, sorry, mate. Yeah. So, I'm anyway, just we saying, told I'm that just story.
3: just checking. The law of common assault says,
2: yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, <laughs> "Don't bang on a glass." But uh, what, yeah, <laughs> so you, West Ham. Out of all the grounds you've commentated on, I think the at the moment, yeah,
3: I think at the moment, oh, wow. you know, you know, some of the well, I. I we, I did a game once with at uh, Peterborough, and um it was the day that the, it was the, when the the leagues all changed, it was the year the Premier League came in, so you could uh, effectively jump from league from league three to league one in the day and that 's what Brentford did because because the divisions changed didn 't they They went up to peter and Bobby was working with me that day, and we were in a glassed in press box, and uh, we were told very, very. Uh, stringently where we had to sit we couldn't move couldn't budge an inch but when the door opened we couldn't see a third of the pitch and the steward insisted on opening the door for, for health and safety reasons so Bobby had to stand in the doorway and if Brentford were attacking left to right in the first half he'd point left to right like this or for the other team Peter but he'd point like this so I went Brentford on the attack oh yeah Brentford on the attack like this and then he put up um, I've looked down, it's the number five, he's put five fingers, it's the number five, Joe blogs like this, and anyway, he switched to the far side, and they're going, and then it comes back again very, very quickly, and he's gone like that, and it came to the number 11, right, the Brentford number 11, yeah. so Bobby's put up two hands and just stopped, because he couldn't work out to do 11, so um, it was we couldn't see, so I guess that's probably... The worst in terms of uh, vis- visibility for the for the for the commentary that was a that was a long long time ago. But currently, yeah, I don't like I don't like the West Ham experience.
2: What's your worst worst ground, forward As an away fan, would you say?
1: Oh, QPR. Oh, oh he's gone straight. Jesus, Jesus Christ! I went to watch his play there a few years ago. We got kettled on the way in. People were pissing where they stood, and the oh. toilets were just all waterlogged. It was just like a water. The piss was just running down the steps. Oh. It was just sodden. The whole place was basically flooded. It was just... I mean, equally, I do quite like it. It's tight, close to the pitch. But I I do have an issue with... What I like about modern football stadiums is you're treating fans like... You know, you don't go to the theatre and have to suffer terrible facilities like that. Football fans are just herded around like animals. It's really not fair. But I think there is a middle ground between having a stadium that has atmosphere... You can have seats that are close to the pitch, but have... Toilets that are all right. Or, or space to get a pint yeah. and a pine. I think Wembley and obviously the Spurs stadium are phenomenal for that. Yeah, the but don't be-
2: forget, don't forget, it's £680 <coughs> for a burger at Wembley. So, <laughs> so it's going to be pretty good facilities. You know, I think that's the thing. It's costing. Costing comes into it. But it is interesting you say that, forty, that uh, especially because you've, you've knocked around the lower leagues for a bit with Forrester, and so, yeah. of course, being a South End fan, some of the grounds, you are like, wow, the hygiene here is a little bit rubbish, isn't it? Um uh, I think my my worst ground, and I'm going to get it really now from Luton fans. It's not so much the ground and the fact that you have to walk through people's gardens to get <laughs> into the away end. It's the seats. You can't you can't sit down, and I mean I'm only five foot eleven. But you're like squashed in like a little sardine. So you're right. You're sitting there. Why? We we bring in seating into football, but oh, come on, man. What? what got to move around. Yeah. You know. So. But yeah, you're right. Hygiene is a really interesting thing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> pissing, I, um... piss, pissing on steps. I mean, you know. Let's just do that. Football fans can, because they're football fans, right?
3: Well, yeah. I, I, this is a little this is a little known story about me. I'm not going to put it in the public domain for the first uh, time. I bet it involves
2: drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Bristol City, Nottingham
3: Forest. Bristol City, Nottingham Forest. League Cup semi-final way back in the day. Way back in the day. I used to work at Capital with a, a brilliant broadcaster, best commentator I've ever worked with, Mick Lowe's. He's now retired. He was a, he, Newcastle fans will know that if we, if we hashtag Mick Lowe's at the end of this or Newcastle producer Paul Daniels, Newcastle fans will know who I'm talking about. They, they revere him. He's like a god up there. When Mick and I worked at Capital together, it was the Wild West. Anyway, drunken days, drunken nights. He's a massive forest fan, Matt. And um, we went down, we stood on what was then the open end at Ashton Gate. We were drunk as skunks. And I needed a wee, so I've climbed over the back fence, right? (laughs) And there was a flat roof and I thought I can't oh, no one can see me. I'm in perfect view of the whole of the West Country. So anyway, I'm having a pee down what I thought was a little gully, a little drain in this roof. And it wasn't. It was the light, it was the it was the window in the roof of the toilets oh, below that no. being kicked out. So I'm <laughs> weeing on people below me, right? Oh my and god And I know, it was appalling. And the police have seen me. So the police started to climb up on the roof. I've run back up to the back of the fence of the terraces and the old uh, she was called Beryl Fudge. The, the, she used to run the supporters club. She down was there. Not called Beryl she, Fudge. Yeah, Beryl Fudge. And she had two immense sons, right, that know known me since I was a little boy. Anyway, they've gone, Oi, Percy, Piercy, quick, quick, quick! The police are coming! Anyway, so they pulled me over this fence, right? I, I, think I, I think I put the old chap back into my trousers, but I couldn't be sure. Anyway, so I'm now yanked back over the fence, and all I could see was Mick, who was on the other side of the divide. And he was on the forest side, and he's just absolutely roaring with laughter. And the previous game up at the city ground, we couldn't get, we, uh, we, he was there with all his mates. I had a massive leather baseball jacket and we couldn't get drinking to the ground. So we pushed cans of lager and bitter down my arms of my sleeve, right? And he's with his mates and his mates have gone, who's this, you know, very, very suspicious of me because I was Bristol. And, uh, and, he, and Mick's gone, oh, he can get you whatever drink. What do you want? And they've gone, <laughs> well, I'll have a lager. So I've gone like this And out my sleeve comes a can of lager They thought I was some sort of beer god
2: Jonathan Pierce Jonathan Pierce Arms That would be there wouldn't it yeah. hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. I can't believe you know someone called Beryl Fudge I've got a mate called Gary Jackets right? And he met someone called Tony Trousers no. He's a copper And, he, and they pulled someone in and Called Tony Trousers you can't sense. be Tony trousers. It couldn't have been Tony trousers. It was probably Kevin trousers. But that,
3: that was that was the Stuart Pearce era, Matt. That that oh, Forest, yeah. Exactly Pierce,
2: Stuart Pearce era. What 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 an era that was! Didn't he take? He took over as manager at the end of his playing career there as well, didn't he? Yeah,
1: he was player manager for a bit when we first when we got relegated, and then obviously he came back a few years later. Um, you know, quite a while later to managers, and did all right, son. Antonio? And Brett Asombalonga and they went on to bigger and better things. Brett Sombalonga came
2: from a very good football team to come to you if I remember rightly. He was spe- he was Can on Chester? He was on Shut your mouth up. <laughs> he was on loan <laughs> for us. He came over. In fact, you've had a few players off us, haven't you? Stan. stand Stan, Jason That's it. Lee. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's three. <laughs> 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 that's a massive, massive amount. I tell you what is really brilliant about the Forest, though, where you go there as an away fan. It's very, very intimidating, you know, because I suppose our average home gate or when it's going all right is probably about 7,000, okay? And then we do do really well. We usually take about 1,500 away, 1,000 away. Good good travelling, south end. But I tell you what, even though the ground, I remember being at Forest, um... That, that ground probably only had 16,000 in it, right? Oh, my God. They let you know, though, don't they? Oh, yes, my loud. God. It's, really, it's loud. really loud. It's actually one of the loudest places I've been to. And when, when they scored, which was four times, I think, <laughs> the roar. The roar was incredible. You know, it was something else. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful ground. And t- dare I say it, over the road there, uh, d- you know, I'll bring up your um, probably. Not, don't even bother about the county, are no. you? Not even bothered. Derby's but,
1: our rivalry, really. yeah. And that's not even a rivalry now, is it? Well, they're in League One, aren't they? That's right. The same season we went up, they went down. It was great.
2: But Leicester's a rivalry. <clears> There's <throat> a whole thing there. Leicester as well, right? Yeah, Leicester. Sheffield United a bit. Do you know, I went to Leicester and did a gig a few weeks back. Uh, and I did the Leicester Comedy Festival there. And I was saying, oh, you know, when I turned around and talk to the voices. And they were saying, oh, this, that sounds random if you don't know what I'm on about. But uh, I was saying, they don't say me duck in Leicester. And they all started going, yes, we do. They were like, oh, oh, you say me duck as well. They duck as well. You're all ducking. Yeah. Where does that come from, that ducking and diving? What is that? No, Stoke
1: do it as well a bit. A bit oh, a bit do they? The Stoke. Yeah, and the Leicester accent's different, in it? You know, East Midlands, like Derby, Nottingham's a bit like that, Look, You're all right. You yeah. know, very Shane It's <laughs> Very good, that. Whereas Leicester has got almost like a Manchester start at the end of it. Right. The, the, like Gary Lineker is like a good example. He almost sounds more from the West Midlands than the East, doesn't he? He sounds a, bit, a little bit brummy, Lineker. Yeah. He's, well, he's been around Wait,
2: and he's he just had a spell in in London. Do you know what he was called when he played for Tottenham? They called him Midas. Do you know that? That was his nickname. Midas. Great. Well, golden touch. Golden touch. Everything he touched turned to gold. Oh. We've got to take a break. Matt oh, We've got about to, take... to sing then. Oh, Go on, sing. sing the Midas t- football friendly.
0: It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all, and therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at betterhelp.com pause for 10% off your first month.
2: Keep singing it. We got the madest. I thought I'd saved
1: everybody by playing the jingling a bit early.
2: <laughs> no, you did that on purpose. I know you did. I started a sing it and you went Paul Daniels went no, I'm not having that. Uh, he's called Paul Daniels, by the way, Matt. It's not a joke. We we've we've cut it down to magic now. We just call him it magic. It's much easier. The We're, jokes the joke started to wear for us after a while, let alone this poor sod, all his would life. Who people
3: on the Paul podcast have heard Paul's voice then, or is he just in our heads?
2: No, 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 he's real, I can no, see. No, I'm very echoey,
1: because I'm in my kitchen rather than my studio today, So, uh, oh, but everybody in, would have heard it, yes, he's in, unfortunately. He's,
2: he's kitchening, he's not, in, he's, he's not in his studio, that's what he said, in case you didn't believe that he really existed, and it's only me that thinks he can, it, it isn't just music.
3: Is <laughs> I know, people who people are new to the podcast won't have the faintest idea what's going on at this stage. Oh. But anyway, it's like this every week, it's like this every week, Matt. Let's go back to Forrest. Yeah. Um they had the, in the, I don't, can, can you remember the Cluffy days?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, very fondly.
3: They were unbelievable. And people, people, do you know, one of my big joys in being involved in football is the storytellers. You know, mm-hmm. listening to the mm-hmm. stories. Yeah. And the Forest storytellers are unbelievable. When Martin O'Neill talks about Cluffy, when they talk about Larry Lloyd, when they talk about um, Kenny Burns, when they talk about the hard men, when... Um, Dave you know, Fudge. Crossley, Crossley's got oh, some great Crossley. stories. About oh yeah, yeah. he's brilliant. He? Some they're, they're
2: so funny. He's got to be the biggest keeper ever, isn't he? He's just got bigger and bigger. He's like he was just going Arley a bit more. <laughs> I'm mean, in goal. I don't mean that horribly towards you, Crossley, but he's just got like bigger and bigger with that.
1: Tell you what, he's in good shape now. He looks fantastic. Ripped He used to call. he used to call, used to call him Shithouse, didn't they? Shit house <laughs> So good. I mean, they've all like say so they've all all of that era can they can all impersonate him. I mean, I think Stuart Pierce has become a very good storyteller as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I remember the days, you know what I mean, Jonathan? Back in the day, you know, <laughs> Mr. Clafford coming, you know what I mean? Uh, and he's sort of, it, I could listen to Stuart Pierce all day. Yeah. There's a particular way that he t- and he got a dart in the arm. You know what I mean? He got, what? He got a dart in the arm? What, you, what do you mean? No, I don't know what you mean. What do you mean? He, People were chucking darts. He's a anyway, lovely fella, is
2: Sorry, sorry, I've interrupted. I didn't realise you you're in the whole routine there. Oh, no, that's right. <laughs> the dart in the arm. He's a lovely bloke as well, isn't he? He's a lovely man. Let's yeah, he's,
1: he's, he still looks like he could do a job, doesn't he? He's, he does. He looks yeah. like he trains a lot. Yeah,
2: yeah, he does, he does. What other, what um, uh, come on, while we're on it, because I love people who can do impressions. What, uh, who else have we got in there?
1: Who else, who else, Baldy? Come on. Well, i tell you what I really like doing is Jim White, because obviously him and Piers are on quite a lot. Now, you tell me, Stuart, you worked yeah. for Raincloth. Back in the day, who had was that? Well, he was a great geffer, you know what I mean, Jim, you know? And it's just like, I like the sort of way that Jim White's got this sort of like mega Scottish insensitivity and pierces. You know, it was a real lesson actually and it's the same when you watch this England team. When you're a kid and you watch footballers and, and you know, the image of Pierce screaming, you know, they're sort of classic Lionheart images. You imagine them to just have these really deep yeah. manly voices yeah. and then you hear them interviewed afterwards like yeah I thought it was alright you know like, <laughs> what <laughs> Gosh, I know. that doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah they're all lovely, you know, and they're on Arvin, yeah I thought we we're alright but um, Germany game will be tough you know it's just they're all just like sweet boys <laughs> he, uh, he came on the
3: Channel 5 programme I used to do uh, years and years ago Stuart as a guest and his fellas come up security guards come and said it, it, Stuart just had bought a book out and he said would you sign it for me is that alright and Stuart turned around and gave him a Stuart Pierce look no right like no. this the bloke quaked i quaked because stewart had his Stuart Pierce face on and then of course he broke out into laughter and signed the fella's book <laughs> and it was all a joke but he had for for
1: a brief few seconds he had the Stuart Pierce face on and that that was frightening i i i love how intense he was and how it was basically like a, a bit of an act really it was like he was do, he was using everything at his disposal to win football matches i just like loved the fact that he was like a psychologist as well but like, I'm, so I'm 40, so I missed, like, the Champions of Europe period. And, and I grew up in the, like, when we were winning the Little Woods Cup and stuff like that. So, like, Clough's second wave was Des Walker and Jemsen and, and Nigel Clough and Gary Parker and Pierce and all that. And there was one particular video. And it's one of those people that would, like, invent his own words, Pierce, But you know what he meant. And you go, yeah, you know, games away, Grimsby, you know, they're, they're not the most glamorable of games. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that should be a word. He's onto something now. love
2: it. You know, love when, it Mad when, Dog, he was called Mad Dog, wasn't he?
3: Psycho. Psycho. Yeah, but Mad Dog's was called... Martin Allen. Oh, uh, I don't Dog. know
2: anything. I only do a podcast for football.
3: Uh, what, was, what was hilarious, when they brought in, I think it was roughly the period where Stuart was... Playing for England, they brought in the players. Had to go down the line of the opposition and shake their hands. That, you know, modern modern viewers will, will think that's just part of the game. No, it never was. And um, they have to go down the line of the players and they have to shake hands and look them in the face and nod very politely and diplomatically. And the opposition players would come down the line of England and they yes, yeah, Terry Butcher shook sure hands. Yeah, well, lovely, nice to see you, Terry. And then they come to this, <laughs> this staring beast of a footballer, Stuart Pearce, <laughs> and they quake and quickly sort of run down I the line. I like, that, and yeah. I do the commentary, you know, and you know, now, now so and so and so and so, so, France, Beckenbauer, whoever it was at the time, you know, and, and now he's in front of Stuart Pearce, always running.
0: And,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> remember the England-Scotland game you were in 96? He doesn't look any of the Scotland players in the eye.
0: So
1: oh, they, they do the line where they do the handshake and he just looks the other way. I remember <laughs> seeing an interview with him. And he may not have said it in such blood-curdling language, but I'm sure he said something like... You know, when you're going into a war with another country, the last thing you do is humanise the enemy. I was like, oh my God. I think this might be getting a bit too far. you know what? I interviewed you're Gary nice Neville. Him. I had Gary Neville on my political podcast a few months ago and he was amazing. And he was just saying that you're a 96. He was like, Tony Adams. He was like, Tony Adams and Stuart Pearce were just going mad. They would just like scream. He's like, Tony Adams would put a ball on the floor and just like tackle it in the dressing room. I'd like, just grab you and scream in your face. It was just the way Gary Neville said it. He went, I remember thinking... I don't think this is helping, lads. It's, just like, <laughs> it's just like, you're just creating like, madness. Like, this isn't healthy before going on to the football <laughs> thing, <laughs> That was funny. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. And then what, how what And then, how's your podcast doing, the political? Talk, tell us about that one. About it's really good. So, like, every fortnight at a theatre in London, I interview a different politician or political broadcaster. And I, I, I wanted to get Gary Neville along, because I think it's interesting to have... People who are political in, in different ways and stuff. Mm. Uh, I had Eddie Izzard on last week. And um, people just love it. I, I don't think there's really anywhere where you can just go and watch a politician talk for an hour in like a relaxed way. I'm not trying to catch them out. I had Keir Starmer on recently and just the audience was com- just hanging on his every word. Mm. And you think actually, part of the part of the perception we form of any politician is, is really through a, a media lens. Mm. And, and we, 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 it's actually quite a restrictive... Um, environment that they, they uh, interviewed a very combative way for, uh, and that's right in a democracy but you do need to also have another place where they can just be themselves without fear of someone going oh that's sad or you lose or what do you say that mm. for and just sort of accept them as human beings cause I'm, I'm really interested in them i, I tell you what i remember Great.
2: thinking when i was a kid uh, we'll go back to this 40 but I, just on what you're saying i remember being a kid and growing up through uh, dare i say it, the thatcher and uh, kinnock years And what I knew of Kinnock as a child, you know, and you were saying about the personality of Kinnock, blah, blah, blah. It was only when then he left politics and then i have grown up a bit. He was a bloody funny man. And I'm thinking, why weren't you this fun and charming? You would have done well. And I've heard that Keir Starmer is very much like that. Really funny bloke. But you you have to give him a place to do that. Correct. I didn't even know you did this. I I do now. I I want to come. It sounds brilliant. And where, 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 where do you do it in London?
1: So it's the Duchess Theatre every fortnight. And then I do in, in the in between weeks I'll do I'll record ones on Zoom like this. But Krishnan yeah. Guru Murthy, the next five are Krishnan Guru Murthy, Jess Phillips, uh, Ruth Davidson, Philip Hammond, David Blunkett, and like Tony Blair's been on Gordon Brown, William Haig, Michael Heseltine. Kinnock did it a few months ago. M- people are still messaging me about it, saying it was like the most emotionally moving thing they've ever. Wow. His grasp of vocabulary. Mm. He has a, a, a phenomenal emotional orator. Um, almost like a preacher, and it we can listen to this, can't we? Because we're, we're, we're on the podcast.
2: What's the podcast called? Full title. So, so. it's called the political party. Right. Okay. You get we'll it put a link. You get your podcast. We'll, we'll put a link as well on on our on our bits and pieces.
3: See, well, David Blunkett will be fascinating because he, you know his history yeah. of what he's done, you know, as an individual, and also the fact they know people from the previous generations. That's right. Uh, um when I, was, when I was little, we, used to, we lived in Cornwall, and my dad did, a, did a, some work for a, a Liberal MP called John Pardo. So he came to the house, and I'm now, I, we moved away from Cornwall when I was seven. So these are very formative memories for me. And I remember him coming to the house and him talking about Wilson and, and, and Heath, and, but also the previous generation, you know. Yeah. And, and I'd say to my dad, be, who was he talking about? And, you know, he'd be talking about stories about Eden and all these people. Yes. And, and I was only little, and I thought, and maybe that's where this whole because my granddad used to be manager at Wick and Wanderers back in the twenties, and and well, the, after the first first world war, between the wars, and um, he tell me stories, and I wonder whether that 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 love of listening to people telling stories has come from, you know, those. So I think that would be fascinating. And the the other thing, which is
1: crucial for me going to your thing, Matt, absolutely crucial, is there a free bar? <laughs> <laughs> so, there isn't a, but there is a bar. But it's oh. you know it's West End prices, man. It's, oh. as, it's as, as opposite of free as you could possibly get. Oh, I'll still yeah, come If you invite us, I'll oh, definitely go. Oh, you're That's... welcome anytime. time. We'd Just love you to know. come.
2: Uh, also, are you, are you, uh, have you tried to get Johnson on? Oh, you won't have that, will he?
1: I think he'd eventually come on. Do you think so? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Have you it, met I mean, Boris He'd be really, Johnson good, he'd be really as, good on it. As is the truth. No, you, you have to be able to put your... Most people, and this is what sort of has driven me mad about the last few years, most people are reasonable. Mm. I will always think that, and they're perfectly capable of getting on with someone that they disagree with. And in any yes. friendship group, you have people of differing politics, and I think people are, people are sophisticated enough to listen to someone they completely disagree with, but find interesting stuff in there. Or, oh, God, that's quite. Or he's funny, or you know, doesn't mean you would vote for them. It doesn't mean it's going to change your mind. And but it's just more context. You're, you're filling out the view of the person, and, and I think it's really interesting that rather than just thinking, "Oh, someone who disagrees with me is morally inferior to me." These people have lived a different life. They've reached a different conclusion based on the evidence that they've seen. And that's a really enjoyable conversation to have. And some of them are... You know, talking is what politicians do. And when you interview the really good ones, their ability to, like, mobilise the language to make you feel stuff is, is sensational. They are basically phenomenal actors, and I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. People like Heseltine and Blair and Hager, they move you in a way. It's profound, Mm. and it's actually a real pleasure to be in the room with someone like that. It's really good fun. Who would you say, Jonathan, uh, is
2: exactly on the same as where Fordy is there? Who would you say manager-wise is like that? When they come on the camera, they, they turn on that person. Well... They,
3: not nowadays they don't because they're scared. They're all they're aware of what they can and can't say. It's one of the big losses to the industry, to the to the game, that they can't. And th- and players themselves, you know, then. I mean, if you had Martin O'Neill on now, Martin would say exactly what he wants to say, and has always done that as a player, and and he would, and it, you know, I think Sean Dyche to a certain degree is is brutally honest. Um, I think Klopp. Um, is honest to you in as far as he can go. And I would love to see them on a bigger stage, like like Matt does with the politicians, so they can open themselves and players as well. Now, I think one of the big things Gareth Southgate has done as England manager is encourage encourage the kids to speak more freely, not to be terrified of the media. And now when when you do an interview, you'd be surprised sometimes. Like when Conor Gallagher was alone on Palace last season, I did a few interviews with him. He's so expressive. He he expresses himself in the same way he plays his football, you know, and he's got this sort of joy in life and football. And it was great. And I'd love to sit down with him for an hour. You know, I'd, I'd love them to feel as if they could come on the podcast. They wouldn't be allowed to. When I stayed, when we did the podcast before Christmas, when we were talking about the World Cup experiences I had, I stayed with England throughout 1990, sitting in the swimming pool with the England players. And they tell me stories and we when we they knew they weren't gonna go any further mm. and and, and I tell them stories about the things and it's and it's great, it was great. And these people therefore now uh they're not dehumanized, but people go, Oh footballers, they're thick, they can't talk. because 'cause they're not allowed to. They're mm. not allowed to express themselves. They're not thick. Well, some of them are, but you know, then, then in general, the people I speak to in football are, are engaging and I wish they could be allowed to express themselves because it would be better than just, uh, you know, he was he was offside and, and I can't believe he's not I'm, giving uh, it. I'm,
2: I just want to play uh, the, the stupid man here. I'm very good at that. Uh, why, why, why can't they express themselves, Jonathan? Because there's now in the old days,
3: you used to phone up a team and say, can I speak to? Um, I, when I was down in Bristol, can I speak to Glyn Riley or Alan Walsh at Bristol City? Can I speak to, to Tony Pulis at Bristol Rovers? Yeah, come up to the training ground. And that was it. All right, now you have to go through phalanxes of press officers and it's a machine, Terry. It's a machine. It's an industry. It's, it's
2: football in the, bi- in the building game, you'd have to get a ticket. They're <laughs> sick and tired in the building game. I've got to get a ticket just to change a uh, blade on my sword. Yeah, and then they,
3: then it. the players are, t- are coached into what they can and can't say because uh, you know because of the... Stakeholders in the football club, oh, right.
2: um, okay. the sponsors,
3: okay. the business interests—will the Premier League allow that? You know, we, we started this with the debate about freedom of speech. There isn't enough of it in football. There isn't enough. So, when you mm. now speak to the old school managers, a lot of them won't come back into the game because of this side of it. They won't come back.
2: Yeah, Tony that, was saying that, wasn't he? Tony Pulis was saying yeah, because this,
3: they you know, they're not allowed to express themselves, and it's wrong, really. It is. It's just it denies people that side of the game, which is. It's crucial, you know. The, these people, you know, we're just we're, we're talking here about Forest with 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 Matt. You know the players they had. Larry Lloyd worked with me in the com- in the co commentary. Larry's sister, Marge, used to be the secretary at Bristol Rovers. We were t- I was mm-hmm. terrified of Marge. She was a lovely lady, but when I was a kid, we used to go over there sometimes. And uh, with my dad, who worked did a little bit of work for Bristol Rovers, mainly Bristol City. Um, I was terrified of Larry's sister and. Um, God bless her. Marge. If you're still alive, I love you. Anyway, um, but Larry would tell stories, and and they they just, you know, they were just so funny and so engaging. The proper stories about Cluffy and what they got up to, and you know, these aren't sordid stories. They're not. They're not bad stories. They're just funny.
2: Yeah,
3: just yeah. funny. Get them out there.
2: Yeah. What, what's uh, what is uh uh, I want to talk about spitting image before you go as well, Matt. But um, yeah. what was uh, what's a, what's your funniest moment at a football match? Would you say if you do something that you would go, "Oh, I'm not allowed to say this if I was a footballer."
1: What sticks what, out in your head? What, what like it, some, it, I mean, it was, it's usually fan behaviour.
2: Of course, it is. It's always behaviour.
1: I remember a guy. I remember at, um, Forest Derby a few years ago. I was in the Upper Bridgeford stand, and the, and the away fans were below us. I think we were, like losing three or four nil or something, and a guy. <laughs> Ran from the back of the upper tier and wanted to dive off onto the Derby fans. And everyone's trying to stop him, and the Derby fans are going, "Come on, then jump, jump, jump!" And he's going, he's just screaming. At the students, going, "Just drop me on him! Just let me fight him! Just drop me on him!" It's just like rage, just like trying to crawl, wanting to just be dropped in, like, you know, like a person. I, I tell you park. what, the, the 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 speed,
2: the speed Man. as well is brilliant. I remember being at the old uh, the old uh, well, everyone doesn't they don't call it Upton Park anymore. All of a sudden, it became the bowling ground, didn't it? Yeah, but what was that about? I don't know, but anyway, I was at Upton Park. I was, my friend Martin had kindly taken us me and, me and my son. And it was, just, it was just after Chelsea. I have to put this into it to, to give the story. But it was just after some of the Chelsea fans. Not all Chelsea fans. But there was just a few who didn't let that chap on on a train, if we all remember. Oh, right. yes. The, the black guy on, on the train. We're told. Anyway. So we're watching the game, right? And Kurt Zuma obviously was playing for Chelsea at the time and he made a fantastic challenge, at which point all the Chelsea fans started going, there's only one Kurt Zuma, one Kurt Zuma. And within seconds, the whole of the West Ham fans, the entire ground was going, but would you let him on a train? Would you <laughs> let him on a train? And, you, and it's, it's the speed, isn't it, Matt? It's the yeah. speed of the wit and how it gets round like a like, like watching a flock of birds turning in the sky all together. You're thinking, how they they it. In that yes. and it just came from nowhere. The entire ground, one person sang it, and everyone was in on it. You know, yeah,
1: no other sport has it. No, 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 when, no other when,
3: sport. When Bristol City were in the top, the, the mighty Bristol City future European champions were in the old uh, first division top flight back in the 70s. And we went up to Old Trafford, right? And um, about 20 minutes in, the Tannoy comes on, um, will you all please. Move very slowly to and carefully to the exits. You have to evacuate Old Trafford. There has been a bomb warning. Now, they wouldn't say that nowadays, oh. they'd say Mr. Brown has left the building. Yeah. But there has been a bomb oh. warning. You have to leave Old Trafford quickly but carefully. It was silence yeah. for about five seconds, and then the Stretford end started singing, We're gonna get our fucking heads blown off. We're <laughs> gonna get our fucking heads blown off. Wow. And No one moved.
2: <laughs> you just, thats it, though. Is, it, is that mentality, yeah. and it's quite a laddie mentality, isn't it? As always, if you work with the military, and especially the fire brigade as well, the things they see that are so horrific, and they're so brilliant at looking after us and all that. But it's the way of—it's a coping mechanism, isn't it? To—to to just take it. to Well, we we'll take it that far, then, you know. Uh, but uh, Matt, tell us about uh, uh, um, spitting image. Then who, who were you? You were Boris, weren't you, on
1: spitting? I so was Boris Trump, Keir Starmer, Phil Foden. Uh, and then a few others. But we, we've now done it as a live show. So it just finished this weekend. It's had a six-week oh. run at the Birmingham Rep. And then How did that go? Amazing. I mean, I, I cannot believe it was never done as a live show before. Yes. I, I actually can't believe. So I, I wrote it. I with, can't believe um, I've never been asked to do it. But anyway. I know, yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't on, was it? You were, you were Rising's yeah. prominence when Spit and Image wasn't on. Oh, don't joke, don't joke. Don't um, do joke. Chris Eubank. Here's, your challenge, here's your challenge yeah, for the yeah. rest of the podcast. Yes,
2: yeah, Do them. You, you have
3: to do... In those voices, why not forest are gonna stay in the Premier League. Yes Well, I,
1: I want to pay tribute to the uh, the, the honourable uh, obviously uh, but of course Nottingham uh, not looking only... for I'm a... <laughs> claffing yes. agreed. Uh, great agree, uh, great great, great, great. Uh, I think not any only... Oh, uh, no! You stay. I, I think we're going to win stuff, children, and I, I think the old woman agrees with The party opposite, of course, of pro, you know, the lockdown-loving, semi-Marxist quasi uh, Then his weakness. Uh, they probably want to the return uh, to the championship uh, because they had yeah, that way of life. Uh, uh, but I, I want to tell you, by the way, you're very good people, and I think, I think Sean Keeper is probably the best. Everybody says it. Very beautiful. <laughs> And great, and I think the way they, <laughs> the way they play hockey is very, very beautiful. And I think they're good people. Um, <laughs> and, oh, you what? can't see him doing the face. That's the yeah. Brilliant. yeah, yeah. The face is at half of it, isn't it? It's
2: oh, a, Matt, that is that is. Uh, just give us a quick
1: McIntyre before you go, as well. Oh God, I've done McIntyre years. Uh, oh God, um, I love it when you got. The, uh, what, uh, what would you say? Uh, my children, my they love football. They love. They say we want torturing Nottingham forest daddy. I say no, no, you cannot torture nothing. <laughs> Who else? I'm trying to think, what are the comedians? Uh, uh, but what's yeah, the, so what's then, your Phil Foden? Yeah, I mean, I can't even remember it. it was just sort of like a general sort of northern soft like that. <laughs> just, I can't even remember now how I, I did how it. You're going to go, the stars was, and the moon. And yeah, the moon, it was a bit Brian Cox. Um, <laughs> but,
2: uh, oh, well, look, Well, look. We'll, uh, we'll, put your, uh, we'll put your podcast out as well. You don't need Seriously. us to do that, but we will. And it, it's been absolutely brilliant. Sorry to have to bring you on to uh, uh, an opening of um, uh, housekeeping. That's all right. It was interesting. Do. But, uh, you know, Matt Ford, ladies and gentlemen, if you've never helped yeah, do brilliant. what Jonathan said. if you've never seen Matt live, go and see him live. Go and see the show. We're definitely going to come and see this show. He's a, so comedian, he's a brilliant comedian. And I'll tell you the other thing about Matt Ford. He's a bloody nice man. I don't think people realise that. <laughs> they say to me that Matt Ford, I go, no. I'm not having it. He's a bloody nice man. <laughs> Don't forget, you can get us on, uh, on Twitter. We're at JPT The Football Friendly. Oh, no, we're JPNT Football. This is JPNT The Football Friendly. It has been with uh, Jonathan Pierce, Matt Full, Terry Alderton and Magic Man Paul Daniels. We will hopefully get you uh, next Monday.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.